You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Austin Christian Fellowship. My name is Will Davis, Jr. It is great to have you here. Thanks for coming. I want to greet all of you guys online as well and say how much we love you, and we're glad you're part of this, and we'd love to see you here in the house sometime. Um, and the answer is, no, we don't think the Bible's been canceled. Um, we'll talk about that. So um, if you need a Bible, matter of fact, why don't you raise your hand, and uh, the rest of you, if you'll find Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4, an extra credit, Proverbs 29. Matthew 4 and Proverbs 29, and feel free to raise your hand. They also have our handy-dandy bookmarkers in them, which have the books of the Bible on there for you. If you don't know where to find Matthew or Proverbs or others, don't be shy. Feel free to use those, and um, we can get you one. Um, Next week, we baptize. Can't wait. It's going to be amazing. Um, You might need to be baptized if dot, dot, dot. Uh, You are in love with Jesus. You know you're in love with Jesus. You follow Jesus. You've committed to Jesus, but you've never marked that decision since you made it with baptism. See, in our world, sometimes we do baptism first and we grow up and decide we're gonna be Christians. And that's more of a symbolic thing. The, the real baptism moment is after you've decided you love Jesus and you wanna follow him. We had a church full of people like that. And so um, don't hold out. It's an act of obedience that God honors. It changes things for you. I've never had a person come up out of the water and go, boy, what a bummer. It just doesn't happen. Um, and so, you know, don't wait. So we have uh, both services, just baptism going on. So sign up. Uh, you can get to the website and learn more information there. It's quite a celebration, and I'd, this last call, so I'd love to have you be part of it. Um, we need to pray. Let me pray. So, Lord, thank you for the day. Um, thank you for the amazing declarations in worship. You don't fail. You don't fail us, Lord. And you come through always. And as we speak the name of Jesus into heartbreak and sadness and chaos, as we're talking about today, um, you're there. So thank you. I pray for the wonderful people joining online, that you'll encourage them and meet them there wherever they are and whatever time of the week they're watching this, that you encourage and bless them. And pray for the people that are here, that you'll feel your presence. Lord, we have yet again a grieving Um, River Place and Steiner Ranch and Vandergriff community. And I just want to pray for the families involved and for the loss and the, the, the recurring theme of just heartbreak that this community is facing. And not everybody knows what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter, but you do. And I just, I lift up Vandergriff and the student body and the principal and the, uh, the spring family and, um, Pray for healing. Lord, it's, it's just gut-wrenching. So, and your word is what we need in times like this. In your name of Jesus is what we need in times like this. So um, be present here. Uh, I pray you'd humble me and activate my skills and gifts and um, let there be captives set free in this service right now today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Matthew chapter four, we'll get there in just a second. So I'm introducing you to a new little uh, toy I have today. This is, you know how you have the coach's clicker on football? This is the pastor's pointer. Okay, I'm gonna be using this here in a minute. Um, Watch out, I might be pointing it at you. So if you fall asleep, I'm gonna point you out. 
okay? Dangerous. So let me introduce you to Chaos Canyon. Okay, this is Chaos Canyon. And um, down here is some of the best bouldering in the United States. Up here is no man's land. By the way, from the here to up here is maybe a mile, a mile and a half. Once you notice these rock, rock, rock outcroppings right there. So I've stood there probably a dozen times. That back ridge is the Continental Divide. And to get up there is really gentle. You can come up the back way and walk alongside. There's a sign down here that says don't go up. And there's a sign up there, right there, that says Chaos Canyon, do not descend. Okay, talk me into it. Here's a view from above Chaos Canyon. Next, next slide tells you why you don't want to go down it. Because it's just, it's just death. There's the lake that picture was taken from. So you can see how far that is. Again, notice these bad boys. Okay, it's called Chaos Canyon. So on July, excuse me, June 28th in Chaos Canyon, this happened. Take a look at this video. See him? Next video we, has no audio because um, I found two. Look at that. Look at this guy moving right here. That's probably 40 feet, 50 feet of rock. Um, there's no audio because the original audio has language in it I can't show. You can imagine. In the second video, some goose put it to landslide by Fleetwood Mac, and we're not going to do that. Dishonors both the video and the song. So. But I just wanted you, this is again from quite a distance, but the side, these rocks that are coming down are about the size of Volkswagens. Um, and you get a sense of the, the sheer, look at that bad boy. You don't want to be in front of that. Just the sheer terror, if you will. Look at there. Chaos in Chaos Canyon. Last picture. Um, this is Lake Hayaha. It's the lake I showed you from above. It was green before the slide. These are the minerals that have been washed down from all, the, see all these rocks, all that debris? All that was washed in here and changed this lake to this color. This is magnificent. That right there is trouble. So most people don't go in Chaos Canyon, obviously. The way you end up in Chaos Canyon is you ignore the signs or you don't see the signs and you don't have a guide and you wind up in trouble. And again, that's a once in a millennia. Those rocks have been there as long as you've been looking at them. And all of a sudden there's a little seismic hiccup down underneath the mountain and boom, there you go. But when you ignore the signs, the boundary markers that say don't descend or ski area boundary. How many stories have we heard about avalanches this winter already of skiers that are really good going outside the boundaries at their own risk and getting caught in avalanches? Boundaries are wonderful things, friends. And when you go past them, you find yourself in chaos. So in Matthew chapter 4, as we continue our discussion of the Bible, and today's topic is 
why we need a moral backstop. In Matthew 4, we have an example of Jesus with an opportunity to jump into chaos. Now, I'm not of the belief that when Jesus was tempted, it was fake. Because the Bible says in Hebrews that our Savior was tempted in all ways, yet without sin. So I think these were real temptations. He really was hungry. But after his, after his baptism, this is not a good plug for next week at all. After his baptism, chaos came. Sorry. But you still want to do it. It's great. <laughs> Verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. There, there needed to be a little bit of a war in the desert to solidify Christ in his role now that he's baptized and it's been declared publicly he is the son of God. Well, now we got to prove that. we got to test that out. After he'd fasted 40 days and 40 nights, then he became hungry. Verse 3, and the tempter, that's the devil, that's Satan, he's real. If you don't believe in the devil, try to live for God for 24 hours. You'll discover the devil. Tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, or since you're the son of God, you go either way. Command these stones to become bread. Now, it's the same entitlement attack that Adam and Eve dealt with. Same thing. Well, you're Adam and Eve. Why would he keep you from this tree? Is God not good? Hey, you're the son of God. You heard it at the baptism. We all heard it. Hey, big, loud voice. You're the son of God. Why are you hungry? Doesn't God care that you're hungry? So feed yourself. Turn these stones to bread. Show me. So he went after Jesus, the thing that should have been a strength, he's the son of God. Satan met it head on and said, well, okay, prove it. You're hungry and you're, you can turn stones to bread. You can make it really good. So why, why, why have you been out here 40 days all alone? Hey, son of God, where's your God now? You ever had that? You ever heard those words? Look what Jesus does. Jesus answered, it is written. There should be a boom right there. It is written, Boom. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's a moral backstop. That's something un immovable in Jesus' life, which for him was the Old Testament. So that when the genuine opportunity for failure popped up, he had a place to go. Now, as we journey through these weeks together about the Bible, arguing it's not been canceled and arguing you'll never have a need that the Bible cannot meet, I want to talk today about our need for something beyond ourselves. Listen to me, church. Something beyond ourselves that tells us what's true and what isn't true. If you're relying on you to know what's true and not true, you're going to end chaos. You need something that doesn't move. So when the, the rocks are tumbling and the temptations are coming and you're really hungry and you really do want to turn stones to bread and have at it and give in, you've got something that is bigger than you that's going to keep you from failure. If you're where the buck stops for you, then you're only as going to be as strong as you are and, and you're, you're set to fail. We have to have a moral authority to survive as a people that's bigger than the people themselves. It's true. Throughout history, it's been true. 
I want to submit to you that moral authority is the Word of God, the Bible. And if you weren't here last week, listen to what we talked about uh, in some of how we got the Bible and how it was formed and the story behind it. And in two weeks after baptism, we're going to do two weeks of objections, like it's too full of violence or degrades women or there's too many translations. We don't know what the originals were. So all these, all these objections, we're going to answer all of them in a couple weeks. But I want you to look at lessons from Jesus' life for just a minute. Because he's a great example for us. Number one, Jesus had a plan. Do you? <laughs> Jesus knew what to do when the trouble came. He knew where he was going to go. I was talking to a friend this week on the phone and I was talking about some situations I find myself in where I get stressed and I get, I get, I feel my heart starting to race and I really, you know, don't manage the feelings well. And he said, I used to live in a snow area and he said, we had a rule called always go to the ditch that if you're in a snow, you're driving in a snow conditions and a car comes at you and crosses the lane, if they're out of control, you always just choose the ditch. You drive into the ditch instead of hitting the car head on. And he said, it saved my life twice because twice I had to drive into the ditch because the ditch is a lot better than a head-on collision. And so he had to have a plan in advance. If the car's coming at me, I'm going to the ditch. And he said, you need a plan to deal with the stress you feel in your heart. So you know how to deal, how, how are you going to deal with it? Because wait, listen, waiting till your pulse is up and the temptation is there and you want to say something or do something or jump into something that is wrong, that's not the moment to look for a plan. You kind of want to know, this is what I'm going to do when I get attacked. This is what I'm going to do when chaos comes. Jesus had a plan. His plan was the Old Testament. His plan was the Word of God. I've said this so many times in my, in my life in ministry. You need to always interpret what is being said in light of what has been written. Can I say that again? Yes. You need to interpret what is being said in culture and to you about you and who you are. And, what the, and you need to read that through the filter of what has been written. Because what has been written is timeless and it's taken all these things to, in, in, into account. Man does not live by bread alone. There's more things that are important than just the material. But rather we live by the word of God. You can, you can function for a while without food. You cannot function without the word of God is the point. Jesus had a plan. I have a plan. I have people I call. I have scriptures I can quote. One of the reasons we, we've quit putting the scriptures on the screen is because when, the, when you're in that chaos moment, the heavens are not going to magically appear and say, here's the scripture you need. There's not a screen in heaven that's going to, you need to be able to pull it up in you. You need to be able to say, this is my, this is my backstop. This is who I am. So Jesus had a plan on what to do when temptation came. Secondly, he depended on something beyond himself. He was not his plan. Now this is, Jesus could have been his own plan. This is Jesus we're talking about. If there was ever a human who could say, I got this, it would have been Jesus. Jesus did not say, I got this. He didn't, he didn't choose to rely on his own abilities when temptation came. He went to a source beyond himself to defend him when temptation was there. And that source was God's word, just the Old Testament. We've got both, friends. We've got both. But Jesus, instead of saying, hey, 
bring it on, Satan, I can deal with this. No, he, didn't, he said, no, let me, let me tell you where my authority lies. This is what I'm obeying. Man does not live by bread alone. Read that and deal with that. That's, that's, that's my appeal, the word of God. Can you do that? Do you have that backstop? Third, whew, <laughs> he wouldn't compromise God's word for his own comfort or promotion. Yeah, that's the ouch one. That one, ouch. He wouldn't say, well, we're going to look the other way on this one because I really am hungry. Later on in the temptations, uh, the scriptures say, um, hey, Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the heavens and the earth. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. I'll make you king of everything, which I'm not convinced Satan could have done, but either way, it's like Jesus is supposed to have those kingdoms, so it's just a means to an end, but it's cheating. Instead of going through the cross, let me give them to you. It's easier. And Jesus would not compromise the word of God for convenience, for pragmatism, for profit, or for comfort. Wow. How many times do we kind of shove away the word of God because it's not convenient for the moment? Like whatever happened to Sabbath? It's not, a, it's not an option. It's one of the top 10. Like what every seven days belongs to God. You don't work. You don't pursue profit. You don't pursue earning. You do other things. And yet it's not convenient to do that because there may be a deal I can close or an email I can respond to or anything that's going to get me ahead. So I'm going to push the word of God aside. How many times in a day do we compromise the word of God for comfort or for convenience or for pragmatism or for cultural reasons or because it's going to get us ahead? Jesus would not do that. He refused to bend. So I'm going to stand on God's word. Friends, when a moral backstop is that when the boundary says do not descend, chaos, do not descend, it means, you know what it means? Do not descend. Because once you're in there and the rocks start getting away underneath you and you're sliding down chaos canyon, you're like, oh man, I wish I'd obeyed the sign. Too late. And I have found myself there on more occasions than I dare to think about or care to think about when I walk past the boundary line and everything's giving way underneath me. I'm like, oops, I should have stayed in bounds. Some of you are, forgive me, some of you are sitting here today in a situation of your own doing because you walked past the boundary line and you know it and it's biting you now. You made a deal financially, you cheated on something, you lied about something, you're in a relationship you should not be in. It's because you went past the line and now chaos is coming. Everything's giving way around you. Jesus had a plan, he depended on something beyond himself, and he wouldn't compromise. We need to do the same. Um, when I was dating Susie, <laughs> this is having a plan, when I was dating Susie, um, our student minister used to say, okay, when you go on dates, and all of you then will have more of the young crowd in the next service, but all of you gather in the dating realm, he would say, when you go on dates, you know, put your driving wheel, put Susie in the bucket seat over there, put the word of God between you. Because it's awfully hard to climb over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to get to Susie. <laughs> like, what a, just a buzzkill is what that is, man. Like, wow. Great. Like, and guess what? It worked. Great. That's a, that's a plan. This is going to stay right here, and you're going to stay over there. That's a plan. Because I'm hot, and she was really attracted to me. <laughs> Had to keep her, I had to fight her off. Look, you can't go with the Bible, Susie. Stay over there. It's tough for her. I know it's hard for her. (laughs) 
helped all her. Wasn't me at all. So let me make the case for why you need a backstop. Why you need an authority beyond yourself. And I hope, you'll, I hope you'll take pictures of these and tell your friends, and this is great teaching for your kids and your coworkers and small group discussion. We need a backstop, number one, and please don't get offended by this. It's scripture. Our hearts are sick and deceitful. I'm not, I don't mean to mean mean. I don't mean sick like evil. I mean sick like diseased. Jeremiah 17 says that. The heart above all things is deceitful. If the devil, according to Revelation, can mislead entire nations, he can mislead you. He's really good at it. If he can mislead the original humans who had contact with God and could see God and were living in a perfect setting with beauty around them that we can't even understand and a rule that said, don't touch one tree. The 82 billion others that are here have at it. If he can deceive them into usurping the authority of God and creating chaos, he can do it to you. Do not trust your instincts when it comes to things like sex and money and food, especially in a culture that says anything goes. You, your heart will deceive you. Your heart will mislead you. And all these people that are making significant decisions about their lives, especially young people, based on how they feel, are being deceived. Do not trust your heart. We need, we need something that tells us who we are that doesn't move over the centuries and millennia. Humans are the same today as they were when the Word of God was written. Humans are the same. It's the same, it's the same issues. The Bible speaks to just about every issue you can think of today. So relevant. Humans haven't changed. Same disease, same issues, same cultural crises we're fighting today they were fighting in the Roman Empire. And before that, same issues. Violence, sex, slavery, trafficking, money, corrupt politicians, nothing's changed. And so when you're trying to make decisions, you need a, you need a source around you that is not going to move when the rocks start giving way. Because your heart cannot be trusted until, until it has been born again by Jesus Christ and the seed of God's word has been planted in your heart. And now you have an alternative voice speaking to you. But even Paul said in Romans 7, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I should do, I don't do. And the things I shouldn't do, I still do. He, even with the word of God in Paul, he still struggled because his heart, his flesh, still wanted to act out and sin. So if you're listening to your gut to tell you what's right and wrong, especially if you're on listening to your gut plus culture, you're in chaos. The walls are giving way around you. And it will sweep you away. Another reason we need a moral backstop that's not you is because there are forces at play that are well beyond our ability to understand and to fight against. They're beyond our understanding and our abilities. There, there are things at play here, friends, that are just bigger. You, if you don't believe that, you are naive. There, there are, there are, Paul lists them, principalities and powers. There's, there's a realm that we cannot see that controls this one. It's the invisible realm where angels and demons do their bidding. And it's the only explanation for evil that I can find that works. 
Evil is not some bad evolutionary trait gone awry because evil doesn't exist in the animal kingdom. It's a human trait. People hurt people for pleasure in our kingdom. That's evil. That's not evolution. That's forces at play that we can't measure or understand. And if you think human wisdom is going to defeat that, you are greatly deceived and greatly misled. If you think human wisdom, it would have by now. If human wisdom were going to win the day, we would have won it a long time ago. So you're going to try to take on evil with your, with your little wisdom and your little life experience? Good luck with that. Let me know how that goes for you. And I'm getting out of the canyon because the rocks are coming down. The Bible will tell you how to fight in a way that defeats forces that are bigger and are terrifying when you confront them on your own. The Bible will tell you how to win. And some of you, friends, need to declare holy war on what's going on in your house right now. You need to declare all that war on it and start learning how to fight. Because you can't buy your way out of this one. Third, we need a backstop because left to ourselves, chaos. I know because I are one. And I love Jesus. And if, I, if I'm left to myself and spend a few days not reading the word of God or a few days not praying or a few days binging on something on Netflix that I shouldn't be binging on, I laugh at myself because I'll look at news headlines and I don't know why, the, I, I do know why. The news headlines will have this, oh, click here and see this new bikini. Why is that news? And the sad thing is I'll think about it. Like I need a bikini. <laughs> you don't wanna see me in a bikini? No. But, but this, this heart, 61 year old pastor, I've loved Jesus for over 40 years. Sometimes I wanna click on it. And I'm serious about Jesus. So what do you do when you're on that, you know, that work trip and you're tired and you're feeling needy and there she sits and she's awfully cute and she's, she's ready to roll. You have something bigger than yourself that can defend you from that, guys? Do you have a moral backstop that says run away because the, the boulders are rolling? Do you have any means to fight that beyond hope? Left to yourselves, chaos. But the King of Kings and Lord of Lords puts Satan at the end of the procession and is marching him to his final day. Read Revelation. And that's who you want fighting for you. Well, this got serious fast. That's why we need a backstop, friends, is because our hearts will deceive us. And I'm, I'm so sad about our culture that a teenager looks at a TikTok video and says, you know, I think I need to be a girl now. And the parents go, okay. They have no authority, no moral sense to say, this is probably gonna pass. Let me tell you who you really are. And no, you're not a girl or you're not a boy. This is who God made you. And no, you can't become this. But the parents have no moral sense to go, no. And it's, it's hard, I know it's hard. But friends, it's a lie. I just gotta be honest, it's a lie. 
God does not create confusion. He doesn't put little boys in little girls' bodies and vice versa. God doesn't do that. That's evil. God doesn't do evil. But we're folding. We're folding like it's just, here, okay, sure. You need a, you need a backstop that is not emotional. That's not affected by the pain. That doesn't move. That's the word of God. Okay, so why is the Bible the best backstop? Well, number one, it reflects God's character. The Bible is a really great place for you to put your trust because it tells you about the character of God. And God is good. He also has been around a minute and knows what's good and not good, what's holy and unholy and wise and unwise. Secondly, it contains God's wisdom. First Corinthians, the end of the first chapter, does a really great job of contra- contrasting human wisdom to God's wisdom. It's just a great passage. You ought to read it. About verse 18 and following. All the way through the end of the second chapter. It's one of my hundred passages I read over and over again. And it just says, here's God's wisdom, here's man's wisdom. You pick. By the way, James, the book of James, chapter 3, this is an ouch, sorry, says human wisdom is demonic wisdom. Even if it's good. Because it doesn't have to be bad to lead you astray. It has to be just less than God. So human wisdom says, you know, you can get there. You can just be nice and take care of yourself. And karma works and good works add up. And, you know, follow your gut. No, that's that's demonic wisdom because it won't get you to God. It doesn't have to be evil to be demonic. It just has has to lead you away from God. That's James 3. The only wisdom that works is God's wisdom. And you won't have it without his word. Some of you are trying to navigate this crazy world right now on your own. And again, you're going to wind up in chaos if you hadn't already. So it's reflecting God's character. It's containing God's wisdom. It exposes Satan's lies. The Bible's great about telling the truth about the enemy. Jesus said he was a liar from the beginning and a murderer from the beginning. And if it sounds like a lie or looks like murder, it's probably the devil. Kill, steal, destroy. It's probably the devil. And you'll have the wisdom to filter through all the stuff of culture when you have a biblical mindset. When you think like the Word of God does, you have the ability to look through and go, that's probably not God. We're not going to do that because that's probably not God. If you don't have the filter, you won't be able to do that. And chaos will come. Another reason it's the best backdrop is because every other possible source will lead you astray. How's that for direct? Every other possible source will fail you at some point. Friends, we're not trying to be good. We're trying to be godly, and there's a difference. And here's a big one. I hate it when my own preaching irritates me, and I'm really irritated right now. Like, Will, me, 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 like, oh dear. It creates the expectation of accountability. Some of us are acting like no one's watching. You know? So this is extra credit, Proverbs 29, can you find it? 
go to Psalms and go right. Proverbs 29, I want you to see this one. Verse 18, you've heard it quoted. The, the, the old King James quote is, where there's no vision, people perish. And the interpretation of the old King James is, if you don't have something, you know, a vision of where you're going, which is true, you'll fail. But it's really not quite what it says. It's better, it says, where there is no vision or revelation, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. Isn't that interesting? Happy is he who obeys the word of God. So what is vision? What is revelation? It's that sense of an upward someone or something who's bigger than you to whom you will answer. That's what it means. A culture, a people, a life, a family, a business, a church that is aware of a higher authority will make good decisions because we know we're going to answer that. I have to think about every word I say on this, every time I talk to you or how I lead ACF or how I lead my family. So do you because I'm going to answer to God. I am going to answer. Our president, our governor, our mayor, our elected officials, our judges, they're all going to answer to God. They will answer to God. The Bible creates that awareness of that person in the wonderful language of Hebrews with whom you have to do. You have an appointment. You do. It's already scheduled. You already have something on his calendar where you're going to stand before God and give an account. And when I know that, it makes me want to behave myself. And it makes me want to do things that when I stand before him, he's going to go, way to go. That was cool. And not, really? Help me understand. And, and we're going to need to talk about that for a minute. And that's, wow, really? And we're, a lot of us are acting like no one's looking. The scripture says when there's no one, when there's no sense of that someone is looking, people perish. Culture fails because we are left to our own devices and our evil hearts take over and you get what we get. But when a human, a man, woman, a boy or a girl or a family or a church or a city or a nation is aware of the, the divine meeting that's coming, they're a little more motivated to honor the source of that divine meeting and live in a way as to set that one up to win and not fail. And one of the things that's happened as we've jettisoned the respect for the, the fear of God in our culture is anything goes now because we don't think anybody's looking. Psalms talks about this. Why do the wicked strut about freely? Because they don't think anybody's watching. The Bible creates a sense of you're going to give an account for every penny every word, every relationship, every minute. And it matters. And he's not going to say, well, I know it's on TikTok, so it's okay. You're not going to hear that. In the spirit of restore, our emphasis over the, this year to really ask you to slow down a little bit and to help us slow down as well 
and to say good yeses and good noes and not get overwhelmed and overcommitted, etc. God's word will keep you out of chaos. And if you find yourself in chaos, it'll guide you out. Like some of us yesterday got a phone call that produced chaos, heartbreaking chaos. Well, when you're in that chaos and you didn't bring it upon yourself, God's word is still your way out. If you find yourself in chaos hanging and you didn't get there on purpose, like the phones, the stuff's giving away around you because cultures, there's death, there's tragedy, there's sadness, it's still the guide out. It's still the guide through. It's still the guide through. And if you're looking to make better choices and manage your time better and your resources better and live a sane life, there's no better resource than the word of God. It's the best guide for avoiding chaos. And if you find yourself in chaos, it's the guide out. If your hiking party wandered into chaos with you, they're not gonna be able to wander, get, help you get out of there. They're as lost as you are. You need a guide that will get you out. The word of God will. So what am I asking you to do? I'm gonna finish this with, what am I asking you to do? It's really a choice. It's just a choice. You have to decide at some point and, and everybody in this room is old enough to process this. You have to make a decision on where the buck stops for you. And when I was, by the grace of God, about 17, as I shared last week, it came to this for me. And I've made some boneheaded decisions. I've walked past the chaos canyon sign, do not descend a few times in my life, and I've paid for it. But I, I made a choice to do that. I wasn't, I wasn't blind. I was choosing to be rebellious and sinful and selfish, and it's hurt people around me. But it's a choice. But for the most part, since 17, I've chosen to try to honor this. It's a choice. And I'm asking you what your choice is going to be. And I'm asking you to hurry. Because the, the rocks are tumbling. So you'll remember this visual. I've shown it to you before. If it's new for you, I hope you'll feel free. There are, I had a professor in school share this with me. I've never forgotten it. It was so good. He said, there's basically three postures to the Bible. And if I was in Nicaragua, my Nicaraguan friends get real mad about what I'm about to do because they don't believe in this. One posture is this. I had my Bible on the ground in Nicaragua one time just praying and a guy walked up and looked at me, dusted off a hand to me like, how dare you? I was like, I'm just sitting there. How dare you? But for many of us, we're above the word of God. It really, if there's a throne, I'm on it and that's somewhere down there, but it's my will trumps that will. Right? For some of us, it's Teamwork. It's the word of God and me to get combined. This is my wisdom and God's wisdom, and we'll have a vote to see on any given date, any moment on that date when Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are there, and there's Susie. We may have to move Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because here we go. Oh, I know we probably know sex before marriage is wrong, but man, seriously. So, so we do this. Some days God's word wins. Some days my word wins. But it's it's kind of like a teamwork thing now. The other, he said, is this. And I've tried to have this be my posture since I was 18 years old, 17 years old. I've tried, hadn't always gotten it. I've done a lot of this sometimes. But the basic posture of my life, I believe, I believe the best authority for my life is right here. I believe the best authority for your life is right here, which is why I'm saying the things I'm saying. 
because when I violate this, people get hurt. When I violate this, I get hurt. When I ignore its principles, I don't succeed to the degree that I should in kingdom things. I'm not as nice to people. I want to click on the bikini link, et cetera, et cetera. So, so it's this. It's like, it, and, and the only way this happens is you choose. Because here's the reality, friends. You're under something. And all I'm saying to you today is you'll never find a better resource. Remember the first week of this series, you're a joke. The Sterling Library. Um, sculpture that tells students they're a joke. And I was like, I mean, you should tell a library that says something different. You're the image of God. That's what this says. You're in the image of God. You're not a joke. Every baby in a womb, every person with Parkinson's, autism, Down syndrome, they're still an image of God. Special needs, cerebral palsy, young men and women, adults who have mental deficiencies that keep them from functioning as culture would have them and they're they're dependent all their lives for care, they're still in the image of God because the image of God is not defined by the physical. It's that person inside why Helen Keller, a deaf mute, could become who she was. Because there's, it's, what is defined is what is inside, not what is outside. Quality of life is based on inside. You're in the image of God. And people with significant needs can have amazing lives and have amazing impact and great joy because they're made in God's image. They're, valu- they're valuable. They matter. I wouldn't know that if I didn't read this. I might be inclined to think they're less than and they don't matter and maybe they're expendable. But this says different. And if I'm under this, discussion's over. So I'm asking you to choose, church. You need a moral backstop and it needs to be bigger than you. Because chaos is out there. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. Only about a third of you left during the service, so I'm really grateful that most of you stayed. Prayer leaders, you want to come up? You guys online, we love you and we miss you. Send this message to somebody who needs to hear it, and we'll see you guys online next week.